Hi, I'm Kathy Bixel, and welcome to the Kathy Bixel Podcast. It's great to be with you once again, and I just want to take a moment to remind all of my listeners that the single best way to stay alerted and aware of what we are doing here at Kathy Bixel Ministries, uh, to have access to our blogs, Um, upcoming uh, information about upcoming meetings, new teachings being released, etc., and any other uh, initiatives that uh, we are engaging in, is to visit my website at kathybixel.com. Kathy Bixel, the last name is B-I-C-H-S-E-L.com. And when you do, a, uh, a box will pop up and you can just give us your email. And uh, that is probably the best way to stay engaged with us. You may also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we are no longer on Twitter, but those are two other uh, social media platforms that you can engage with us on where we also uh, make you aware of uh, what is happening here at Kathy Bixel Ministries. So today, I want to ask a question, and it's a question that probably my older listeners might be more familiar with than my younger listeners, and that is the question, where's the beef? Are we in the church just spouting out all our buzzwords, or do we really have the beef? For those of you that are, as I said, younger, you will not remember, but I clear, clearly remember, it was actually the year that I graduated Bible school and was married in 1984. There was a, uh, a ad campaign that incorporated the catchphrase, where's the beef, that was uh, a marketing strategy by uh, Wendy's, the hamburger chain. Now, of course, if you are not a hamburger eater, this <laughs> might not uh, have bring back any memories either. But the fact is that Wendy's is one of the uh, largest fast food chains in America. Uh, I'm thinking maybe they're global, but I'm not aware of that. But I'm sure that they are. I know McDonald's and others are. But in 1984, there was the three. They were the three primary change, and I think so today. It's the same that there was McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King, and so because Wendy's has a particular uh, ha- has a what they call a single burger in there as their hamburger. So the other companies were more or less saying, you know, you have this single burger, and it's not big enough. And how Wendy's counteracted that was saying, where's the beef? You're claiming our burger is small, but your burger is all bread. Where's the beef? And this commercial ran constantly. So even if you weren't someone who ate fast food, this was on the air all the time. And as often happens sometimes in these ad campaigns, like I'm thinking, uh, right off the bat, Nike, just do it. So that becomes a slogan that gets incorporated into our own uh, cultural expressions. And so this concept or this slogan catchphrase, where's the beef, became part of our varna- uh, modern vernacular to uh, as a, a phrase to use when we are questioning the substance of an idea or a, an event or when we think that something is being told 
to us where there's very little information or, or something's being said and there's really no substance to it. And so that word or that catchphrase is really popped into my heart this week when really thinking about where we are in the church right now. That, you know, we can talk all the buzzwords. We can have all the buzzwords down. My last broadcast was um, on what a prophetic church is, and I want to thank those of you that responded. I had such great feedback, which just blessed me because that's the purpose of doing these podcasts, that they would awaken and inspire you and, you know, just uh, cause you to think maybe in a different way about uh, or bring you understanding about these certain topics that we're discussing, but especially in prophetic circles and in prophetic churches, that we can have all the buzzwords. In other words, what I mean by the buzzwords is we can parrot all the prophetic language. So we can go on the internet, hear what other what global leaders are saying, or hear what somebody else's dream is, or um, you know, read articles and blogs and hear the prophets speak. And we just start repeating those and and grabbing ownership of them and uh in in actually how we are expressing our own ministries, we we uh and but really, we and there's nothing wrong with confessing something and coming to it to a, in agreement with something. That's not what I'm expressing here. What I'm saying is we can start to market our ministries, market our churches in ways that are really not truly what's happening there. So even while we're talking about new wineskins and new things and God's doing a new thing, the fact of the matter is many of us are still doing the old thing. Many of us are not releasing um, fresh, uh, really fresh expressions in our ministries. We are just parroting words. We're parroting, quote, the cutting edge movement, or and sometimes even what we see another ministry doing, and we're saying that's what we are, but that's not what we are. So I want you to stay with me. This isn't about being negative. This is about prompting us to think and to examine ourselves so that we can really embrace what needs to change. And so when I talk about where's the beef, is it beef or buzzwords? The beef is really around, are we really changing? Have we come out of this pandemic changed? Is the expression of our ministries changed? Are we still doing the same things the same way, with the same people, in the same places, the same way, without changing? Are we taking those prophetic visions? Are we taking the prophetic um, words, the prophetic predictions even, and are we adjusting our lives to uh, correlate with that word? So what I'm really challenging us with today, and I say us, myself included, 
are we going to have the buzzwords or are we going to have the beef? And beef is going to necessitate true change. We can talk about revival. We can call our churches revival centers. We can call our churches um, prophetic churches, or we can call our church, you know, where it's happening or our ministries, you know, that we have all these, quote, things going on. But the question is, are they going on? And Part of the reason that they are not going on is that it's easier to talk about something and parrot something than it is to actually institute those changes. And this one thing I can be sure of this moment today, sitting here in front of this microphone, and that is something that is branded on my heart that only a dramatic historic work of Holy Spirit moving through a radically revived church can counteract or stay or hold back the the tsunami of evil rolling into America and the other nations now in this moment. It has got to be an authentic work of Holy Spirit. The times that we are living in demand change, change about how we are praying, how we are gathering, how we are even um, expressing our own walk with God, change in our own personal discipleship, change in how we view the world, change in how we maybe spend our money, change in where we are living, change maybe in where we are even worshiping, how we are gathering. And so I just want to challenge us with some questions today on this podcast. Where's the beef? Are we parroting prophetic information that somebody's that is somebody else's revelation? Are we globbing onto it, saying it's ours, but yet out we are stagnant? We know that revival, we could sing it, but is it actually in the air where we are? And the wonderful thing is, this is what's possible. This is when God gives us prophecy. He's telling us our destiny. He's telling us our potential. He's telling us what is possible. And there is, in fact, there is, in fact, a move of the body of Christ into this, not so much even the word of the move of God. It is the move of the body of Christ hungering to align and to partner with God himself in what he's doing. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection made the heavens available to come to earth, made the power and the glory of the invisible realm and all that it can do to heal bodies, to break chains of oppression over humanity. Jesus has made that available to us. And by faith, we are called to act to access this. And when our own spirits are awakened and they are alive to that revelation that there is more than just dogma, that there is more than just um, there's more than just religious gathering, that there is more to just uh, saying we believe in God, that the more is being able to experience God, to experience heaven, to experience the life and the glory of the kingdom of God. So what I am 
advocating for is that when we hear these prophetic words, instead of just parroting them, we need to ask ourselves, what, what Lord are you, how are you wanting me to change? How are you wanting this ministry to move forward so that we are in sync? We are in alignment with that word that's being spoken. Because if we are not, our congregations and our communities and our spheres of influence are going to have a legitimate reason to ask us the question, where's the beef? You have all the buzzwords, you have all the bells and whistles, but where's the beef? And I don't know about you, but I am hungry for the beef. I am hungry for an authentic it is what keeps me going every day is the revelation that history has shown us that God can do remarkable things in a generation in the darkest of times. You know, the uh, motto in the Reformation was the darkness, then the light. The darkness, then the light. Because after the, the quote, dark ages, which they're that's a whole nother topic. They weren't completely dark, but they were pretty dark. Then came the light. And so in the midst of the chaos and the um, the perversion and the evil we see manifesting through government and other institutions in our own nation in America, that in the midst of that, then comes the light. And we can be the conduits of that glory and that power and that light. In my last podcast, I talked about the prophetic church, and the prophetic church is a church that is hearing and moving with the voice of God. We are prophetic when we are moving into what God has spoken. We see this patterned in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit, even at recreation, brooded over the waters. And when the when the Lord spoke as the Holy Spirit brooded over the waters, the change that came was cataclysmic. I am calling for cataclysmic change. When the word of God comes, when we are truly prophetic, issuing out of our bodies the word of the Lord, what results should be cataclysmic. We need cataclysmic change. Change, And there are some things that I just want to quickly address in this podcast that will, um, that I hope will be something that you, that we can all pray into in this season. And that is what are some of the roots of the resistance to change? What are some of the roots of the resistance to the changes that we need. And I believe one of the, the most important ones, there's there's uh, two or three that I want to focus on. But the first is that sometimes we just keep doing the old because it is all we know. That is what we are familiar with. And so we're comfortable with it. So many times we go to a conference or we go to a gathering and we get this incredible prophetic download. And then we get back to our churches and our ministries uh, or, or this could even be you on a personal level. I'm not even necessarily speaking only about churches, but you as an individual member of the body of Christ, you, you get that word and you know that something has to shift, but yet 
you're resistant to it because what you may have to do will require you to be uncomfortable and actually be insecure, even if it's momentary, until you actually start experiencing the fulfillment of what God has said. Whether we are aware of it or not, and this is true of us as ministry leaders and pastors and apostles, we have to confront the fact that often we just do what we do by default. And so the answer to that is is to continue to, to just not grasp onto a buzzword and say it. Continue to seek God about the implementation of it. Be honest. Have feedback from the community you're laboring with. Have your apostolic teams, the people around you. What what do you perceive? Let's have honest, authentic conversations that we are doing or not doing. What are you perceiving? As opposed to putting all of this pressure on senior leaders to um, pull a, a rabbit out of their hat to make something new happen because all the prophets are saying the new is happening, but yet you're not clear on what that new is for your body. And sometimes it is the, it's the smallest adjustment, but we have to be willing to change. Every single revival in history that we study, somebody did something in obscurity to do something different than what has been normally done or a normal way of doing it. It's just not about adding another program or taking the same program and dressing it up different, making it look different, but it's the same thing. The next thing, uh, the next point that I think is important is that often what is familiar gives us a sense of gives us a sense of security because it also gives us something that we can control but i am going to say this and you can mark it down as truth that when the holy spirit moves what comes with him breaking in on everything that we're doing is an automatic sense of us not being able to control it Do you think on the day of Pentecost, they could control tongues of fire? They could control the the rushing mighty wind? They couldn't even control Jesus. They, They couldn't control Jesus. He was the glory of God in the flesh, moving and healing. And they would try to even push him off a cliff and he, you know, he would just walk right through them or know how to navigate his way out of trouble. And it's the same for us. There has to be a heart commitment. Lord, whatever you want to do the way you want to do it, please do it. I'm here. I'm waiting. We're ready for you. Are you ready for the beef burger? Are you ready for the, for the beef? Because when the beef hits the church, it's going to change us. And the next thing that's going to happen, which leads me into my third and final, and I believe the most important thing of what prevents us from experiencing true change is our desire to please others, is placing what the people of our congregations will think, what the people of our congregations want, 
what the people in our ministries tell us or communicate to us is the atmosphere and the environments that make them comfortable. And so whether we are cognizant of it or not, what drives us is the pressure of what others are expecting our houses of worship to be, what they are looking to get out of it when they come. And so because as ministers and as those called of God, we have that twofold um, dynamic working in us of our worship and our ministry to the Lord himself, but then also coming down from the mountain to minister to the people. And so we are touched by their infirmities. We are touched by the, their needs, which is how it is supposed to be. However, when the needs of the of our congregations and the people we are leading have been tainted and have been formed by the culture they are living in, then something gets out of whack. The pressure we begin to feel is to give the world what the world wants. And so the prophetic word the direction of the Lord becomes filtered through what is expected of us. And how does this manifest? It manifests by us becoming more people-centered and not God-pleasing, where prophetic churches are supposed to be forerunners of change that bring fruit and life. And so how this manifests is that everything we do becomes filtered through our desire to accommodate those that are gathering with us. The focus becomes not on what God is doing, what the Spirit of God is moving through us to preach, to speak. The filter becomes, how are they going to respond to it? What are they going to do with it? And I think that this desire to be relevant can be overextended to a point where we grieve Holy Spirit. We grieve Him. Surely the Lord is moving in new ways, and we want to engage in ways that are relatable. But that is a whole different thing than quenching the movement of the Spirit because our underlying heart concern that we have not really repented of yet or even acknowledged is our fear of the people. And so the first thing that has to happen, the most important thing that has to happen is our fear of the people has to die. The fear that we're not going to look smart, that the fear that we're not going to look cutting edge, that the fear that if we don't talk about certain things that the culture is talking about now, that the culture is emphasizing now, that people won't want to come to our church. And after all, we've got this building that we have have to pay for, and we have these light bills that have to be paid for, so we don't want to do anything to upset the apple cart. And I am telling you, I pastored for 14 years. I'm not talking uh, and pioneered and, and oversaw an apostolic work. I understand these challenges, but we will continue to keep buzzing around with our buzzwords and have no beef if this thing doesn't come out of us, of our hearts as leaders. We have to 
put the, that fear of the man in the coffin, w- close the lid, clamp it down, put the rose on top, never to rise again. We have to stop micromanaging what we think are going to be people's responses to the initiatives and the strategies that Holy Spirit has us um, execute in our in our churches. We need to have that sense and communicate that to the people that the priority of us as a people is to glorify God and to carry out His Word, that if He tells us to do something different than great-grandpa did here 50 years ago, then that's what we're going to do, not because we're trying to be trendy or not because we're trying to, quote, grow the church, but because that's what God said to do. We have to forsake this, um, we have to, you know, forsake this desire to be loved by the world. Jesus said, they rejected me, they will reject you. I'm not advocating you go out and you purposefully try to make people dislike you. But I am saying that if you do not eradicate this filter of the fear of man, You are in bondage because what happens is you're not free when you gather. There's this this thing in the atmosphere that's trying to control how you express worship, how the people that you put in places of authority in your church, if they don't look right, dress right, act right, or maybe they're a little too fiery, or maybe they're a little too free. What, whatever that may be, I, I'm, I'm using that as an example, whatever that may be. But the point is, it is our fear. And when I, as a, as a student of revival history, what I see, what is so uh, obvious to me, is the utmost boldness, the radical willingness to be a fool for Christ, that empowers and instigates and sparks, sparks revival. It attracts the Spirit of God. And why does it attract the Spirit of God? Why does it attract the fire of God? Because you're dead. Because when you're dead to the fear of man, when you are dead to people's opinions, when you're a dead to what the mayor might think of you or to what your neighbor might think about you or to what the largest tither in the church may think about you, when you're dead to that, you are on the altar and the fire comes. So those are just a few things, just a few thoughts that just have uh, been emerging in my heart this week as answers to this question, where's the beef? Is there substance to who we say that we are? If we say that we are prophetic, are we truly, is the voice of God touching every aspect of the ministry? What God is saying how he is empowering worship, our prayer meetings, our children's ministries. Are they inspired by what the Holy Spirit is releasing, the creativity amongst our own people? Or are we just, you know, just taking programs from others, which that's fine if the Holy Spirit leads you to, but are we just leaning 
on church programs as opposed to having the Spirit of God create through us the expressions of how we are to uniquely carry out our ministry mandates within our communities. And then another question we ask ourselves, we say that we're apostolic, are we? Because apostolic is a trendy thing now and everyone goes on Facebook and says they're an apostle. Are you really an apostle? Is it the church really apostolic? Are we raising up uh, next generation leaders? Are we raising up leaders, uh, not even next generation within our own generation, raising up people to be in places of authority in ministry and working as ministry teams? Um, are we are we having you know others participate in powerful ways with uh, with positions of authority, or are we concerned that if we release those people into those places of authority, someone thinks they preach better than us, or some of the people might like them more than us? Once again, we are at the people question. What what is going to be the response of the people? You know, I thought it was really interesting. I thought this week, I just began to think about how many of the uh, revivals, even in the past mm, several, like maybe past decade or two that even have, uh, we've experienced in the United States and Canada, I find it interesting that many times how God does it is God brings someone else to that local community and the revival is sparked and spearheaded by that outside ministry. I think that says something. That that says something. First of all, look at John or not allowing Randy Clark to come in. Randy Clark ignited that revival, but clearly John or not had to have a heart to be willing to say, "Lord, I don't care if you bring Wiley Coyote in here. We are so hungry for you. Whoever you use is just fine." Think of John Kilpatrick and Steve Hill coming in there. I think it's interesting when we look back at some of these moves, how God is, he loves when we work together. And I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying we have a stuff that has to be worked through where sometimes the way we do things can affect another person that we're laboring with. I'm not saying that. But in the end, to have a true work of God, it's worth it. It's so worth it. And so... Let's honestly ask ourselves these questions. Another big one, and then I'll close. Another question we ask ourselves, are we going to um, filter everything we do through the personal preferences of every individual in our congregation? You know, this is another issue that I think is a plague on the body. Um what kind of uh, music this person likes? What kind of uh, the way they want the sanctuary to be arranged does this person like? Um, what time do they want the children's ministers ministry to be released? Um, how this is done or how that is done. When we start catering to the personal preferences of people, when we engage in ministry on every level, we lose the mission. Carrie uh, Newhoff, a, a, a leader who focuses on raising up leaders, uh, his, his uh, ministry focuses on that. He said this. He said that when your church 
He said, he said that when your church becomes all about your personal preferences, you lose the mission. And that is so easy to do. And I want to tell you why it is. This is so tempting to cater to because we are in the midst of the me culture, the selfie culture. It's all about me and what I like and what I want. And actually what I like and what I want, I want to inform you, Mr. Pastor, is holy. It's sacred because I like it. Let's gather around one vision, one desire, one goal as communities of faith and worship led by apostolic and prophetic leaders, true apostolic and prophetic leaders. Let's want one thing, what God wants, to know Him, to know Him in the power of His resurrection, to know Him in the participating of his suffering, to know him and to become a place, a gathering of people connected together whose sole desire is to host God's presence, to accommodate him and all he wants to be for us and do for us when we come together as a body. So with that, I'm going to sign off. I hope that you will digest your beef patty here and chew on it a little bit and hear what the Spirit of God says to you. So thank you once again for being with us. Don't forget to subscribe to the Kathy Bixel podcast on whatever platform you are using, and also invite others uh, to, to join in on listening to these podcasts. Also, don't forget to email us at podcast at kathybixel.com. Once again, that's podcast at kathybixel.com. Give us your feedback, your prayer requests, your insights. We're so grateful that you are part of our listening audience. God bless you, and don't forget to tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the Kathy Bixel Podcast. For more information about Kathy, her upcoming itinerary, media resources, and more, visit kathybixel.com. Again, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen. 